<laughs> Can we pray one more time? Let's do that. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for loving us as we are. And thank you, Lord, for again, for bringing us together this morning. And I pray for focus now, Father, that you'll help us to really uh, center down on your word and to get into it and to hear what you would have us to hear. And, and Father, whether we're tired this morning or worn or weary or full of life and energy, uh, however we come to your word, Father, I pray that your word will speak and touch us. You promise us it will not come back to you empty. It will succeed in the matter for which you sent it. And so we pray that your word succeeds with the only kind of success that matters. And that's yours, Father. Holy Spirit, be our teacher this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we are in the book of Exodus. Let me remind you, we have been moving through the Bible at lightning quick speed at the bridge. We started in Genesis a year and a half ago, and we're at Exodus chapter 20 or so. We're pausing on Sunday mornings to go through the Ten Commandments. Wednesday nights, we're moving on. This Wednesday, we will be back in the book of Exodus, uh, moving forward there during our in-depth study. Um, it's exciting. It's, it's amazing. And I invite you all to be back for that. But this morning, we're going to move on in the Ten Commandments. We've covered four of them, and I'd like you to repeat them with me. I encourage you to just hit the button one at a time. The first commandment, say it with me. And you shall have no other gods before me. That's kind of hard to read when it's doing that, isn't it? Let's say that again. You shall have no other gods before me. Second commandment. You shall not make for yourself an idol. Say it again. You shall not make for yourself an idol. Now, I've got to pause here for a moment because there have been some questions about this. Some have said, wait a minute, my Bible doesn't say that. How is it that all of a sudden are you, is Rick making up commandments here? Let me be very clear with you. That when we first started the bridge, I went through a long period of time trying to discern which would be the best Bible to teach from. And here's the measure for that. It's what is the most accurate to the original languages. Most of the Old Testament written in Hebrew. Most of the New in Greek and Aramaic. And it's critical as students of the Bible that we are studying out of Bibles that are accurate. If your Bible doesn't say you shall have, you shall not make for yourself an idol, folks, and idol? I guess we should take that D off there. It was a little late last night, okay. You shall not make for yourself an idol if your Bible doesn't say that. If you go back to the original language, it does. It does. And so I'm not up here making this stuff up. As a matter of fact, I have determined to tie myself to God's Word so as not to get out too far and and start making things up. A lot of you have different church backgrounds, different Bibles are used. I just encourage you to look at the Bible that you are using. Two of the most accurate Bibles out there are the New American Standard Bible, which is what I teach out of, and the King James Version, which people are afraid of because of the these and thous, but gang is still incredibly accurate. And I would encourage you to study out of one of those too. If you want to some study out of the NIV, the NIV is a good Bible too. There are other good Bibles. But the most accurate Bible, scholars agree, is the New American Standard Bible as far as the original languages go. And gang, these things, our traditions, our church backgrounds, we cannot allow them to get in the way of what God's Word is teaching us. So let's stick to the word and see what God has to tell us. He tells us you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol. Number three, with me say this, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And number four, Corey, if you'll get that up there. Number four, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. 
Now, in referring to these Ten Commandments, Jesus, in Mark chapter 12, verse 28, was approached by a scribe who asked him, What commandment is the foremost of all? The most important commandment. Jesus, will you let us know that? And he answered, The foremost is, Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And you might say, wait a minute, I don't see that in the Ten Commandments. But it's there. It is the summation of the first four. The first four commandments that teach us, that give us practical how-tos when it comes to loving God. If you want to put the love of God in place in your life, you can very easily begin by not having other gods before Him, by not making other idols, things more important than He is, worshiping other things, by not taking His name in vain, but honoring Him for who He is, and by remembering the Sabbath day, which is a time of rest where you can focus on Him. These are all ways that we can love the Lord with all our heart, with all our mind, soul, and strength. And Jesus says, that's number one. Well, Lord, what's the second commandment? Well, before we get to the second commandment, you need to understand that not only are we to love the Lord our God, but the Lord our God is love. He is the epitome of love. He is the summation of love. He is love in and of himself. And we need to stop and ponder that for a moment. God is love. Regardless of anything you have ever heard about the Lord, regardless of anything that's ever happened to you in your life, good, bad, or ugly, God is love. The Bible tells us, 1 John 4, 16, we have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love. And the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. You cannot abide in God and not love. If you are pursuing God, you are pursuing love because God is love in and of himself. Everything he does flows from that perfect, ultimate purpose of love. So if your life seems to be messing up, falling down, caving in, or stressing out, if things don't seem to be coming well together for you, remember that God is working out his love in your life. And you may not see how that's working. You might not understand that. Things may be really hard, but God is bringing you to a place because He loves you too much to ignore you. Worst thing that could possibly happen to you in the world is for God just to stop thinking about you and for you just to go on your merry way. You would lose out on the greatest love of all, the love of God. Now, if this is the case, if God truly is the very epitome of love, it stands to reason that He also would desire that we would learn how to love each other. And that's the second commandment. As Jesus went on to say, Mark 12, 31, the second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And Corey, you can go on forward there. We'll have descriptions up for the rest of the study here behind me, and you can just jot them down as we go or follow along as you please. But this whole idea of loving each other brings us now to the second half of the Ten Commandments. The first half, the first four, are all about loving God. From commandment number five on, this is all about how we are called to love each other. And here we go. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Strap on your seatbelts. This is going to make a few of us uncomfortable. Honor your father and your mother. (laughs) That your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives me. Let's just say it out loud make sure we all got it. Honor your father and your mother. Can you say that one more time? Honor your father and your mother. Guess what? Mom and dad didn't write that. (laughs) 
God did. The creator of all things. The one who gave you your life is the one who wrote it. And right now, I'm sure there are a couple of moms and dads going, Man, I hope my son is listening right now. And I want to say to you, I hope you're listening right now. Because we are a room full of children, and there's not a one of us who does not have a mother and a father. And some of you teenagers need to understand that this commandment is harder for your parents than it is for you. Some of your parents have gone through things you can't even imagine. And they still have to deal with this. And we're going to deal with it this morning. Honor your father and your mother. There's a kitchen sign you may have seen it. It rings of truth and humor. It reads as follows. If mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. That was rule of thumb in my life. We all wanted to make sure mama was happy. You know, and when Mama was in a bad mood, well, there were eggshells and we were walking very gingerly, very carefully. Some of us learned early on to keep the folks happy. Keep them happy and what they don't know won't hurt me. What I can get away with, quietly, secretly, what they don't know I'm doing is, is that's okay. You just got to keep them happy, keep them pacified, and everything will be just fine. Gang, please do not diminish the weight of this commandment to the idea that if we scratch their backs, they'll scratch ours. That is not what this is about. Honoring your father and mother is not just doing what they need you to do so that they're happy so you can do whatever you want. That's not the point. We have got to hear the Father's heart in this and remember the one who wrote, Honor your father and your mother is a father. He is the Father. And he lays this commandment in here at the top of the second half as the most important commandment we can learn and obey and follow and understand when it comes to loving each other. If we can't honor father and mother, we're going to have a whole lot of trouble honoring and loving people in the world. Now, as we've already seen with the first four commandments, the commands are literally the words. In the Bible, it's called the ten words of God. Not the ten commandments, but it's the ten words. In other words, with each commandment, there is a key word, a focus word, something that we can hone in on to understand the commandment better. And the fifth command, or the fifth word, is no exception. The word is honor. Honor. It's the one to focus on. And the Hebrew word here, interestingly, you students of the Bible may pick something up here. The Hebrew word for honor is kabad. Kabad. Which is very closely linked. In fact, it shares the same root Hebrew word with another word, which is kabod. Kabod means glory. Anytime the glory of God is talked about in the Old Testament, it is kabod. The kabod. It's a word that means heavy, weighty, incredible. When you think about the glory of God, it's a heavy thing. It's a significant, important thing. And the word kabad, which means to honor, is also a weighty word. It's an important word. Both words come from the same root. Both can be translated weighty or heavy, implying massive significance. And when we talk about honoring our father and our mother, we're talking about, to the Lord, a heavy matter. A matter of serious importance. Now again, before we go any further, I need to say something to our teens among us who currently feel like their parents are idiots. I joined you at that age. 14, 15, 16, I looked at my parents and I thought, they're clueless wonders. Number one, they don't know what's going on in my life. Number two, they don't really understand me. Number three, how could they possibly ever have been my age because they're so dorky? 
my parents are out of touch. And this was exactly how I lived. In fact, this whole idea of getting away with stuff was my M.O. in high school. Go to church, be the elder son, act proper, do the right thing. But man, I was a different kid at school. That was different when I was with my friends. Because my friends really knew me. They really understood me. And they really had a handle on life. I've said this before. It cracks me up that a 16-year-old would go to a 16-year-old for advice on how to live life. It doesn't make any sense. Go to someone who has some experience. That's what we do with everything else. But gang, I tell you that for anyone who might find it hard to honor a parent, regardless of how ridiculous it may seem to you when you think of your own parents, stick with me. Do me a favor. Do the Lord a favor and just listen to His word this morning and see how it might work its way into your life. And don't think, oh, okay, Pastor Rick's going to lecture all teenagers right now because this is not, again, just a lesson for teenagers. It is for all of us. So tune in. Listen to this. The Bible takes it even a step further. It's not just kabad. It's not just honor your father and mother. But in Leviticus 19, verse 1, it tells us the Lord went on speaking to Moses. He said, Speak to all the congregation of the sons of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy. For I, the Lord your God, am holy. Every one of you shall reverence his mother and his father. I am the Lord your God. Every one of you is to reverence. He changes words on us. What's interesting is in Leviticus 19, God begins to restate the Ten Commandments, but now, in this particular verse, He takes honoring your parents, changes it to reverencing your mother and father, and puts it at the top of the list. He goes, everyone should reverence his father and his mother. Keep my Sabbath. Do not turn to idols and make yourself molten gods. I am the Lord your God. He places it at the top. This is important to God. It doesn't even really matter, honestly, what your parents think. Or what your parents think they should get from you. That is a side point. What matters is what the Lord thinks. And the Lord says, reverence your mom and your dad. It matters to God. By the way, the word reverence here, um, God's doing a little wordplay. Because the word reverence is in the Hebrew, Yahweh. He says, reverence your mother and father, for I am the Lord. Yahweh, your mom and dad, for I am Yahweh. This matters, gang. This is important. Why should I reverence my mom and my dad? Why should I honor my parents? Why? What's the big deal? Because I am Yahweh, God says. Because I am the Lord, and because I said so. You know, the because I said so thing with mothers and fathers and their kids doesn't always work. Because I said so, and the kid goes, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. But when God says so, it always makes sense. There is always a reason for it. Now, I know, I know even right now there are some who are sitting here going, I can't honor my parents for what they have done. Folks, I am fully aware of the type of abuse that goes on in this world. I'm fully aware of the evil and the wickedness that invades families. And I'm fully aware that many of you had horrible upbringings. I understand that. We'll get there. But right now, God is still saying, honor your father and your mother. There is no little distinction. There's no caveat unless they do this. Honor your father and your mother. Heavy enough for you yet? Check this out. In the scriptures, this doesn't just mean your physical mom and dad. It also extends to your in-laws, 
<laughs> it goes to your in-laws. Did you realize the Bible makes no distinction between your actual parents and your husband or your wife's parents? That when you are called to honor father and mother, you are also called to honor your husband's father and mother or your wife's father and mother. The Bible is clear on this. In fact, flip over to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 24. First Samuel 24 brings us to an interesting story. It's in the life of David. And I cannot wait till we get to David's life. We're going to have to. But First Samuel 24 puts David in a difficult situation. In this chapter, David is on the run. He's been on the run from Saul. Saul, you may remember, is not his father. He, Saul is the king of Israel at the time. But Saul is enraged in a crazy, sick rage toward David. He wants David dead. He's hunting him down as a common outlaw. And Saul's got his posse of men, and they are after David, and they are trying to take him out. Now, you need to understand at this time that David's best friend is Saul's son, Jonathan. David's wife is Saul's daughter, Michael. Saul is David's father-in-law. And his father-in-law wants him dead. And we'll pick up in verse 1 of 1 Samuel 24. Now when Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told, saying, Behold, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. And then Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel and went to seek David and his men in front of the rocks of the wild goats. He came to the sheepfolds on the way where there was a cave, and Saul went in to relieve himself. Yeah, that's what it says. That's what the Bible is. It tells it as it is. Saul goes in there to use the bathroom. And now David and his men were sitting in the inner recesses of the cave. This is hysterical. Paul goes, uh, Saul goes into the cave here to use the restroom, not thinking anyone's in there. And all of David and his, his men, they're all in there. This is the guy that Saul's going after. And Saul is in a very compromising situation. And David and his men see what's going on. And the men of David said to him, verse 4, Behold, this is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I am about to give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it seems good to you. And then David, the Bible tells us, arose and cut off the edge of Saul's robe secretly. Now, I don't mean to be offensive, but Saul must have had to really go badly not to notice his robe was being cut off in the back. That's what was happening. David sneaks up with a knife, and he trims off the edge of Saul's robe and sneaks back. And he is there probably having a great laugh, and Saul doesn't even notice. But listen to what happens. It came about afterward, verse 5, that David's conscience bothered him because he had cut off the edge of Saul's robe. And he could have, he should have, killed Saul right there. He didn't even do that. He didn't knock Saul out and drag him outside and say to Saul's men, Look, I've got your king, now you back off or he's dead. He didn't do any of that. He just snipped off a little Saul's robe and we think, That's a great practical joke. That's awesome. I would have done the same thing. And then in verse 5, we see why David is a man after God's own heart. His conscience bothered him because he had even done this. Dang, he had dishonored his father in law. I asked, this is father-in-law, right? Read on. Verse 6, so he said to his men, Far be it from me, because of the Lord, that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, since he is the Lord's anointed. David persuaded his men with these words and did not allow them to rise up against Saul. And Saul arose and left the cave and went on his way. 
Now afterward, David arose and went out of the cave and called after Saul, saying, My lord, the king! And when Saul looked behind him, the brakes go on. What? Saul realizes what's just happened. My lord, the king! He turns around. David bowed with his face to the ground and prostrated himself in honor. David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the words of men, saying, Behold, David seeks to harm you? Behold, this day your eyes have seen that the Lord has given you today into my hand in the cave. And some said to kill you, but my eye had pity on you. And I said, I will not stretch out my hand against the Lord, my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Verse 11, watch this, listen to this. Now, my father, see, indeed, the edge of your robe in my hand. For in that I cut off the edge of your robe and did not kill you. Know and perceive that there is no evil or rebellion in my hand, and I have not sinned against you, though you are lying in wait for my life to take it. David calls Saul my father. Not my father-in-law. Not Michael's dad. Not even my lord and king at this point. He says, look, dad, behold, my father... I have not sinned against you. Verse 12, going on. May the Lord judge between you and me. And may the Lord avenge me on you. But my hand shall not be against you. That's a good rule of thumb for us, each one of us as children with our parents. If you've ever had a problem with your mom and dad, let the Lord deal with that. Let it be in His hands to avenge what needs avenging. You are called to honor. Well, it goes on a little bit further. Verse 13, as the proverb of the ancient says, David is still speaking, out of the wicked comes forth wickedness, but my hand shall not be against you. After whom has the king of Israel come out? Whom are you pursuing? A dead dog? A single flea? He's saying, I'm insignificant. I'm nothing. Why are you chasing me down? The Lord, therefore, be judge and decide between you and me, and may he see and plead my cause and deliver me from your hand. In verse 16, when David had finished speaking these words to Saul, Saul said, is this your voice, my son, David? Then Saul lifted up his voice, and he wept. And listen to what happens. He said to David, you are more righteous than I. For you have dealt well with me while I have dealt wickedly with you. David called Saul my father. Saul calls David my son, because as far as the scriptures are concerned, and you will see this over and over, there is no distinction between in-laws and your regular parents. That you marry in, and guess what? You have picked up two new folks. A new mom and a new dad, and you are to honor them as well. Honor your parents. David got it. Honor them. Kabad. Honor them. Seriously. Take it seriously. Reverence your mother and your father. Yahweh. Why? Why is this so important to God? Why does this matter so greatly? I'm going to give you three things quickly if you want to jot these down to know about this significant command and then you can decide what you want to do with them. You can think this through and figure it out and apply it. I'd like you to flip over to Ephesians chapter 6 for a moment. Ephesians chapter 6. The Apostle Paul begins to apply and talk about this specific command. Honor your father and your mother. And listen to what he has to say. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1. Paul writes, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise. Paul tells us it's unique. This commandment is unique because now it's the first one that has a promise attached to it. What is that, Paul? Verse 3, So that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. 
Paul tells us this is a unique command. It comes with a promise. And here are the things to jot down. Number one, you might jot this down. If I honor my parents, my days will be blessed. There's a spiritual principle at work here, folks, and it's not, again, just that quid pro quo, if I treat them well, they'll treat me well, because that's not always the case. It's not always the case. You may treat your parents well, you may honor them, and you may not be blessed by them. But I promise you, the Word promises you, you will be blessed by the Lord. If I honor my parents, my days will be blessed. It's a promise of prolonged spiritual blessing. And again, it doesn't speak of quantity of days. In the fifth commandment, it says, Honor your father and mother, that your days may be prolonged in the land that I'm about to give you. But it's more than that. Paul applies it further. It is blessing involved. It's not just about lengthening your days. How do we know that? Because there were many Old Testament and New Testament saints alike who lived very short lives who were living righteously before God. Well, there are people in Scripture who we know were extremely wicked and lived long lives. Let me give you just one example. The first Adam. Adam, created by God. The first son, actually, on the earth, created by the Father himself. And Adam lived 930 years. I did the math. That's 334,800 days. Adam had long days. But they were hard days. Genesis chapter 3 verse 17, God said, Cursed is the ground because of you, in toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you will eat bread, till you return to the ground, because from it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. But as history progressed, we receive a promise of better days ahead. And curiously, the better days that are promised in this command are tied to honoring our parents. That if we honor our parents, we will receive blessed days. Our days will be blessed. Why is that? Because that's exactly what Jesus did. Open your Bibles to John chapter 5. Flip over to John 5. We're going to stay in John for just a second here and look at a couple of things. The first Adam, while you're flipping there, the first Adam rebelled against his father and brought in the hard life for himself and for the rest of mankind. Thanks a lot, Adam. But the last Adam, as Paul refers to him, Jesus Christ, honored his father. Listen to how Jesus honored his father. John chapter 5, verse 17. He answered them, Jesus speaking, My father is working until now, and I myself am working. For this reason, therefore, the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because he was not only breaking the Sabbath, but also was calling God his own Father, making himself equal with God. Therefore, Jesus answered and said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, unless it is something he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. For what the, for the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself is doing, and the Father will show him greater works than these, so that you will marvel. Jesus says, I see what the Father is doing, and that's what I do. And I honor my Father. John 8.49, skipping ahead. John chapter 8, verse 49. The Jews are in, in a hot argument with Jesus here, and in the middle of the argument, they call him a demon, or they say he has a demon, and Jesus responds in this verse, I don't have a demon, but I honor my Father. I honor my Father. 
I honor my father. Even though it brought great grief to the Lord Jesus, he honored his father. Skip on ahead, John chapter 12, verse 49. John 12, 49. Jesus speaking again says, I did not speak on my own initiative, but the Father himself who sent me has given me a commandment as to what to say and what to speak. I know that his commandment is eternal life. Therefore, the things I speak, I speak just as the Father told me. Jesus is in sync with his Father, honoring him in everything he did. And finally, John 14, verse 31. John 14, 31. It's a good one to have underlined. He says, So that the world may know that I love the Father, I do exactly as the Father commanded me. You ever wonder why Jesus, who is God, takes on the role of Son of God? Because in Jesus we have the perfect example of what a son is to a father. Of how a child is to act toward a parent. Of how to keep the fifth commandment. If you want to flesh this out, the best way to flesh out anything is to look at the word become flesh, which is Jesus. And we see in him the perfect behavior, the perfect picture of the fifth command. He's the perfect example of this commandment and the promise. Now you might say, well wait a minute, Rick, hang on a second. You said that if I honor my parents, my days will be blessed, or as the Bible says, they will be prolonged. Didn't Jesus die a cruel death at age 33? Oh, you're sharp. You picked that up. Yes, he did. As a matter of fact, doing the math there, at 33 years of age, Jesus lived 11,880 days. That is one-thirtieth the amount of life that Adam got to live on the face of the earth. So how does it work that Jesus was blessed? Listen to the blessing, Isaiah 53, verse 10. It was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for sin, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, he's talking about Jesus, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, God says, I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death, and was numbered with the sinners, yet he bore the of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. God says Jesus is blessed in his honoring. This picture of the perfect son shows us that even through the suffering that he went through for the sake of the father he still ends up blessed and so will you. And you might not even see it in this life. You might not truly experience the blessing of honoring your parents in this life. It may not happen. You might find yourself, as some have, in a contentious relationship with your parents, and it doesn't matter how much you try to honor and respect them and reverence them, they still return with wickedness or evil or anger towards you. And you know what? It doesn't matter. Because the Lord says you reverence them. The Lord says, honor them. Teenagers, let me ask you a question. Do you want the good life? I mean, do you want the good life? The life that the media tries to promise you can have, but you never quite get. Trust me, I'm 40 now, I've seen a lot of the bad life trying to get to the good life. 
Do you want the good life? It's not found in rebellion. As cool as that might seem at the moment, man, I'm going to do my own thing. I don't care what mom says. I don't care what dad says. It may seem like that's the cool thing at the moment. Your friends may be cheering you on as you go out the house doing something you know you're not supposed to do. You know it's going to upset your parents, but you think, it doesn't matter. It's my life, and I want the good life. Okay, if you want the good life, it begins with the age-old, uncool, but God-ordained commandment to honor your parents. Now listen, I spent 15 years in youth ministry. 15 years of working with teenagers, hanging out with teenagers, spending all my time with teenagers. Ask Cheryl, I was with teenagers 24-7. They were in and out of our house, and there are two types of kids that we saw very clearly. Those who honored their parents and those who didn't. And unequivocally, gang, those who did not honor their parents were miserable. And not because they just got grounded. They were miserable. And I would watch year after year as these kids would grow up. And not honoring their parents and bucking the system and doing whatever they wanted to do and finding that they ended up miserable every single time. Time after time after time. And I can tell you this, and even now I know some of our teens are going, yeah, whatever. And I'm telling you, that's how you're going to act, but you will discover this to be true. These are not my words. These are the words of Yahweh, the Lord. He knows what he's talking about. The promise is, gang, if you honor your parents, your days will be blessed. What if my parents are jerks? You can't control that. You can't control your parents. This is not about what your parents are to you. It's what you are to them. But listen. As much as there is a promise that my days will be blessed, there is also a warning that is within this promise. If I dishonor my parents, my days will be numbered. My days will be numbered. The Lord is so serious about this. Listen to what he added in Jewish law. Exodus chapter 21 verse 17. He expounds a little bit on the fifth commandment and says the following. This used to make me shudder when I was a kid. He who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. And we're not going to try and wiggle around this game. It was the death penalty. It was a capital offense for a son or a daughter to curse their mom or dad. Do you realize that? Would you like to be an Israelite? But I guarantee something. Far fewer Israelite kids curse their parents, at least out loud, than happens in America today. According to the law, even cursing a parent was punishable by death. Now, we're not under the law. And it's actually against the law if your parents kills you, so you're all right there. But listen, Proverbs chapter 20, verse 20 says the following. He who curses his father or his mother, listen to this, his lamp will go out in time of darkness. What's that mean? If you set yourself against your parents, guess what? When the days get hard, you're not going to have a light there. You're going to be confused. You're going to be in the dark. You're not going to know which way to turn. If you dishonor your parents, your days will be numbered. How does that play out? Paul says, Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever man sows, this he will also reap. Whatever you do in your life, in your family, whatever you do toward your parents, guess what? You're going to reap the same. And how many of us who are parents now realize that the way we treated our parents is coming right back on us? As a matter of fact, moms and dads, if you're frustrated and concerned about your kids, think about how you treated your own parents, and, and you may realize you're getting some of the same that you gave. It really does work that way. There's a direct spiritual principle here. 
And the spiritual principle is that as we sow, so we reap. Genesis chapter 9 tells us a story about Noah. You may recall Noah got off the ark. Everything was good in Noah's life. And finally he sat down and he planted a vineyard and he made wine. And he began to enjoy that wine. And he enjoyed it so much he ended up drunk in his tent, stark, raving, naked. And as he lay naked in his tent, his youngest son, Ham, walks in the tent and sees his nakedness. And without getting into it, the Bible implies maybe something else happened there that shouldn't have happened. But Ham comes out and begins to dishonor Noah to the other two sons, Shem and Japheth. He begins to talk to them and say, Dad's naked in there. He is drop-dead drunk. And he's completely out. He's like, I gotta see this. This is hysterical. And Shem and Japheth, different than Ham, they put a cloak over their arms and they walked into the tent backwards and laid the cloak over their father and covered up his nakedness without looking. They honored their father. Well, Noah woke up and the Bible tells us he knew what happened. He realized what Ham had done. I don't know if word got back around to him. It's not like there were a lot of people in the world at that time to share this. So it probably got back pretty quick. And Noah looks at his son Ham and says, Cursed. Cursed be Canaan because of you. Canaan? Isn't it Ham? Wasn't Ham the guy who, who, who messed up here? Shouldn't he be cursing Ham? No, he curses Canaan. Who's Canaan? Ham's son. The spiritual principle game. No one understood. Ham sinned and his sin was passed along. The curse was repeated on his own son. Rabbis understand this. There's a story that is told among rabbis about a man whose aging father comes to live with him and his family. And the aging father, he, he's up there in years, and he's beginning to drool a little bit, and he's not the, the neatest eater, but they have him at the table, and, and then, you know, Grandpa's around, and it's a good family time, but he slurps his food a lot. It's a little gross, a little disgusting. He kind of dribbles down the side of his face, but they put up with it for a while. After a while, it just becomes a little too much. And so the father takes his dad and, and gives him a special place in the kitchen to eat dinner. Well, that's all well and good, but the cleanup after his father's eating is, is so bad, and it's just all over the table. So the father goes out to his workshop and crafts a trough in which to put his food so his dad can eat like a horse. So now his father is in the kitchen eating out of this trough, and, and that's fine with the family because they don't have to really deal with him. Well, a little time went by, and the father goes out to his workshop one day, and his youngest son is in there doing a little woodworking. And he says, son, what are you doing? And the son holds up this fruit bowl, this big bowl, and says, I'm making this for you, Dad. And he said, oh, son, that's great. It was the like, big bowl to hold my fruit. He said, no, it's so when you're over, you can eat in the kitchen with Grandpa. <laughs> and the father realized what he had just trained his own son to do. In the way that he treated his father, his son would treat him. If I dishonor my parents, my days will be numbered. If I sin, gang, it will come back around. Whatever I sow, I will reap. If you sow rebellion to your parents now, listen, teens, because I know right now you're not even thinking about being parents. It's the last thing on your mind. But if you sow rebellion to your parents now, you will reap rebellion from your children later. This is what God tells us. Not my words. I'm not making this up. So how does this flesh out in our lives? Listen. We're going to wrap this up here. If you are 16 years old or 65 years old, 
Whether you are at home under your parents' roof or you're out on your own, whether your parents are alive or dead, this command applies to every single one of us practically, and there is something you can do about this command today. Whether your parents are even living or not. Now, I can give you all kinds of handy little ways to honor your parents or to reverence them, and some would apply to you and some wouldn't. I can come up with a bunch of little interesting things. Yesterday, I was working on, on this message. We've been moving. You guys know this. Moving all week long and trying to get into the house and get everything done. So I didn't even have time to study for this morning until yesterday, which I hate doing that. It stresses me out. I'm in the Word. You know, I'm going, Lord, give me peace and help me understand this, you know. Corey walks into the bedroom and he says, uh, Dad, you know, he's very tentative because he knows I'm in the Word right now. <laughs> and he said, are you hungry? Yeah, I'm hungry. Why? Well, I made you some lunch. And I'm like, okay, I stopped and eat. And Corey took the time, made some lunch. Okay, great. And so I said, I'll be right out. And he goes, well, it's warm right now. So you need to come now. And so I, I said, I'll be right out. Just a minute. I typed in a verse. And I got up and I walked out the door. And this is so cool. Here's Corey and Hayden. Corey's standing outside the door and he goes, lunch is served. <laughs> and I walked down there and Hayden was standing there and he goes, look, Dad. And they had taken the little seat there by the countertop and they put a pillow on it and a blanket over it to make it nice and comfortable. And there was my plate with my grilled peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs> it was awesome. And, and I said to Corey, and remember this, I said, son, you honor me today. You've honored me. It was so sweet of Corey and Hayden to do that and, and to consider me. And I went back to studying and I was a whole lot more peaceful because I thought, you know, at least right now, my kids are honoring me. And there are many different ways that we could go about honoring our parents. Like I said, some would apply, but many would not. For those of us who are out on our own or married, have kids of our own, our parents, my parents are in another state. How do I honor them? How do I honor a parent who has passed away? Am I through with that commandment? Can I just move on to the next one? It's kind of like, you shall not kill. We're coming up to that one. Well, good, I haven't killed, so I won't worry about that one. Gang, the commandment, honor your father and your mother, still applies. And still, you have right now in your life the most powerful and practical way that you can live out this commandment before the Lord. How's that? The third thing that I want is you're right. If I honor my father, I honor my parents. If I honor my father, I honor my parents. Stuart is back with us this morning, and I'm so so glad to see you. It's, it's a, a pleasant surprise. But you may recall those of you who were here last week that Stuart said, I made a deal with the Lord when we began talking to the Lord about the paralysis. I can put up with this, he said. I can deal with these things. The paralysis, even not being able to speak, if you'll do one thing for me, if you'll promise me that my children and my grandchildren will follow you. My friends, there is no greater way that you can honor your parents than by following the Lord. If you will follow the Lord. And Corin and Hayden and Hannah, well, I don't even know where Hannah is. She's around here somewhere. Kids, the best way you can show me honor is to follow the Lord. And please, please, I'm throwing this out here. Especially teens, don't think, well, then I'm not going to follow the Lord. And that'll teach them. No, it won't. You're just laying out for yourself a path of destruction and damnation. Your history, your toast, you're burning yourself. Don't do that. If I honor my father, I honor 
my parents. John 5.19, Jesus said the Son can do nothing of Himself unless it is something He sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. And gang, even if your parents are not or were not Christians, even if they rejected the Lord themselves in their lifestyle, in their behavior toward you, even if they, your parents, lived out their lives in abject rebellion to God, guess what? By loving the Lord, by following the Lord, you honor them. You place some semblance of meaning into their lives, of purpose. For the life that never follows Jesus still is honored by the life that follows Jesus. And in so doing, possibly, maybe, we will bring more with us into eternity by honoring our parents and by honoring the Lord. We will come into the greater family, the family of God. John 1.12 tells us, As many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God, even those who believe in His name. Exodus 20, verse 12, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I have nothing to gain by all of the young people here today obeying their parents. It, honestly, and, and a little bit crassly, Father, it doesn't, it doesn't affect me when I go home. And so there's no hidden motive here. There's, there's no one's paying me off to talk about these things. But Father, we talk about them because as we come through the commandments, we recognize it's important to you. It matters to you that all of us as children honor our parents. Lord Jesus, this is not an easy commandment for us. Because as human beings, we strike against each other. It's not always comfortable. We don't always understand each other. And as parents, I, as a parent myself, Lord, I am subject to sin as anybody else. Would you teach each of us what it means to honor, to reverence our mothers and our fathers? And the best way to do that, Lord, draw us into relationship with you. Help us to follow you and be your children first and foremost in our lives.